Walking in Our Spirits with the Holy Spirit, Part 1, by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. If we would allow our spirit man to govern our lives, how much better things would be. Our soul man is for the most part the influence, however. Unfortunately, with the soul man leading, our hearts, minds, and fleshly bodies are subjected and governed by the physical laws of this world. We are limited by them, held down, and defeated by them. The physical laws of this realm defy scripture, therefore mentally convincing us that we cannot do the things God plainly says we can. Our spirit man longs for us to learn to walk in the laws of God as they supersede the physical laws of this world, giving us full access to God's victorious plan for restoration and allowing us to do what most think impossible. Where do we find God's law? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 tells us God made them readily available. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Our spirit man relates to God's law much better than our soul man, as our spirit is not affected by the desire of our flesh, nor fooled by the enemy. The soul, on the other hand, without being led by our spirit, is at the mercy of the enemy and recognizes only physical law and the laws of man. The battle starts in our hearts and minds. What is fed into them either fortifies or destroys us. You see, where our thoughts wander to is a big key to which set of laws we are governed by. Let me explain. We determine in our hearts to do something. That is our will which we feed to our minds. Our minds calculate how to carry out our request based on what is previously fed into them. If the spirit man is in control, the calculation is handed to him and we can depend on God's law to make it happen. Without direction from our spirit man, however, the flesh will pull us through our soul man to the physical laws and defeat. In fact, where our hearts and minds are is where we physically are in God's eyes. It's not our flesh He connects with. He is a spirit, so He sees our spirits. God sees inside out. We see outside in. He also discerns our thoughts as easily as we hear someone audibly speak. In other words, He hears what we are thinking. Now here is what was meant by the statement, what is fed into our hearts and minds either fortifies or destroys. If our mind and heart is about kingdom matters, even if physically we are working in the world, we are in God's eyes in the kingdom, and therefore under His covering and laws. If we are at Sabbath, however, but thinking about something of the world, then that is exactly where we are, in the world and subsequently under the world's physical laws. This is why it is imperative for the enemy to control our thoughts. He wants to hold us captive to the world, its systems, and people, so we are bound to him and defeated by the world's laws. He has unfortunately had 7,000 years to instill many mental blocks or strongholds as a database in the minds of humanity. 
subtle things we're not even aware of. We have been totally assimilated. We accept the world's physical laws as natural and see them as our only choice. Consequently, we readily relate to sickness and reach for medicine, financial problems and worry about what we can do to solve them. Addictions and difficult human interaction control a huge sector of society and even death is accepted without question. You hear many times in America, we all have to die and pay taxes. This quote comes from ones unfamiliar with Scripture, the promises of God and the laws that back it. Scripture says the world is soon to perish, so taxes won't be necessary, and not all will die. Another shrewd tactic the enemy uses He draws our minds and hearts to enjoy things he has calculatedly devised to attract our flesh and is clever in knowing which of our personal buttons to push. Pursuit of money and the pleasures of this world are a good example. They are specifically designed to pull us away from God's kingdom. More importantly, the enemy attempts to mentally make us at odds with the word of God and the power of God that sustains it, rendering us weak mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, to resist evil and walk above the laws of this world. The adversary begins our demise by shaping our personalities to his image from birth. He attempts to make us cold-hearted, cruel, and angry people, quick to criticize and find fault with each other. His knowledge promotes and trains shrewd, cold, calculating minds to be successful in the business arena. Liars, the sexually immoral, and cheats are made icons in his religious circles. The enemy is successful more times than we'd like to admit, and unless otherwise touched and changed by God, continue to reproduce themselves in others. When salvation is experienced, the possibility of a change takes place that Satan fears the most. We are born again new creatures. We can now reconnect to the power of God through hearts and minds filled with the word of the Lord and be prompted by our spirit man who has faith and doesn't doubt. Now the kingdom laws begin to govern our actions. Nothing is impossible for such a one. It is through this power that miracles are enacted. The lame walk, the blind see, the mute talk as a result of prayer. However, These are not really miracles at all. This is simply the fruit of our spirit man connected to a loving heart and a mind that is filled with the knowledge of God and understands the laws of the kingdom. Without doubt or unbelief, he directs the soul to carry out the request through the body. Our spirit knows what God says in scripture or prophecy is law, and these kingdom laws override physical laws, consequently defeating the enemy. As an example, Satan says, You can't walk on water. Your soul man, if governed by your flesh, agrees. Yes, it's ridiculous to think you can. Yet God says, Come, walk with me. If he says, Come, you can. Through a kingdom law, the law of faith, and the validity of his word, and the power of God that backs it, it supersedes the law of viscosity the force of friction understood by the scientific community 
demonstrating the frailty of both physical law and man's intellect gathered from the world's knowledge. The knowledge of God is another key to the miraculous. If God says it, believe it. Matthew chapter 14 verses 28 through 29 is an example. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, Jesus, said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter broke the laws of physics, and believe me, the Pharisees of the day never accepted it happened. But then, neither will the church for the most part today. But the fact is, the laws that govern this world, causing water to be an unstable surface to walk on, can be overridden by the law of faith in God's Word. Satan says to God's people, you can't make an inanimate object move without physically moving it. Jesus says, we can move things the size of mountains by speaking. Matthew chapter 21 verse 21 So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, and do not doubt. There it is again, the law of faith. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Again, this is only if we exercise the law of faith and don't doubt. It is, I grant you, a very difficult mindset to accomplish while walking in this realm and thinking through the world's knowledge. That knowledge is, among other things, the promoter of the world's laws and backs the sentiments of their evil prince. In fact, Satan also uses mental telepathy to convey this knowledge and steer us in the way he would have us walk. He interjects thoughts into our hearts and minds like, There is no sense praying for the miraculous. God isn't here or care about you. Or perhaps he says, I don't think God exists. He actually makes his thoughts appear to be our thoughts by speaking into our minds in the first person. These are usually thoughts of fear, negativity, and defeat. Or it could be the exact opposite, pride, arrogance, and hostility. Whichever comes closer to destroying us as individuals, unless discarded, they will settle in our hearts and become our reality. But... If we truly believe in our worth as individuals because of God's love and the blood of the Lamb, trust the laws of God and continue to walk in the law of faith. Matthew chapter 21 verse 22 tells us, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. God cares and He always hears. But let's face it, our flesh has experienced so much defeat at the hands of the enemy that it is very hard to walk in faith and not doubt. We have been receiving direction from our soul man for so long, we have lost touch with our spirit. But our spirit man sees and understands the spirit realm. He understands the laws of God and comprehends the weakness of physical law. He sees the angels that intercede for us and is therefore unafraid of the enemy. Since he is connected to Christ, he is not fooled by the enemy's voice either. 
He also understands the infallible calculations behind the promises of God. So our spirit does not doubt the words of Jesus. Nothing will be impossible for you. He honestly believes we can do all things through Christ. He also knows we have each been given a measure of faith. Not just some of us, but all of us that know God. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Our spirit understands faith is always within, ready at all times. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us faith ignites when the word of God is heard and believed. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 So then faith comes by hearing, hearing the scriptures, believing God's promises, and hearing by the word of God. The word opens our understanding so the law of faith can work. Up until this end time, the only knowledge we had to rely on was what Eve chose from the enemy. So even scripture was tainted by our intellect, based on the wrong knowledge from the tree of good and evil. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 explains, So when the woman saw that the tree, unlike the trees of righteousness, in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3, it was a tree of good and evil, was good for food, food for thought, that it was pleasant to the eyes, appealed to the mind, settled in her heart, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She swallowed his message. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Circumstances are different now, however. We have been offered the end-time truth for this particular age, to generate our faith. The only thing that stands in our way is our flesh. Jesus tells us at Mark chapter 14 verse 38, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's weak and constantly reporting from this world through our carnal soul man to our heart and mind the realities of the limitations of this world. It is a real struggle, just as Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. You see, we were created spirit beings that have a soul and live in a body suit of flesh for the purpose of adapting us to live on this planet. Our spirits, connected to the Lord, were created to be in control of our soul and therefore governed our bodies. When Eve touched minds with Satan, she aligned herself with the tree of good and evil, and humanity was turned inside out, so to speak. Instead of seeing the spirit man, and not paying much attention to our bodies, we began to see our bodies, and paid little attention to our soul or spirit. In fact, our spirit man was as dead when we are born again, our spirit is resurrected. As we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, or baptized in the Spirit, our spirit man is given back his language and reconnected to the Lord. The Holy Spirit reignites our ability to function through what is known as 
the gifts of the Spirit. And if we allow our spirit man the control he was meant to have, we will see the fruit of his nature operating in us. Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 24 shows us what happens when our spirits connect with the Holy Spirit. Our nature begins to change back to His image. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In closing, notice in verse 26, there is no worldly law that can stop someone exhibiting these fruits. Why? Because it's the fruit of a person walking through their spirit man, connected to the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, with the Spirit, you could say, is experiencing a meeting of the mind between the Lord and us, thus reversing what Eve did. In this condition, the soul is subordinate to the Spirit and the flesh subdued and submissive to the laws of the kingdom. Now we are prepared to rise up with others of like kind, as is full stature of the body of Christ, to set all of humanity free of the enemy and the fruit of his being here all these years. Mold, decay, sickness, and pain. The rotten fruit causing humans to fight with one another, using us to eradicate our own species. Death itself is the fruit of the devil. Our spirit, led by God's spirit, will establish God's laws on the planet and bring the victory of the cross into our everyday lives, birthing a new heaven and a new earth.